When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Literati, a podcast about books and the idiots who write them. I'm Michael Wolf, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Colin O'Brien. Say hello to the nice listeners, Colin. Hi, nice listeners. I'm Colin. I'm the cute one. We have got a great episode for you today with a really fantastic guest. But before all that, we thought we'd take a minute to answer some of your most pressing questions. Yes, every week we get dozens and dozens of questions from our loyal, loving fans. And we usually ignore them by any means necessary. Mm. But today our producer has told us that we must respond as to seem approachable and grounded and one of you. And we're so happy to do that. There's nothing we like more than engaging with our fans, except for maybe working our blue-collar jobs and eating cold cuts. So let's go ahead and pull up some questions. Okay, first one here is from Corn on the Nabokov, and it reads, Dear Michael and Colin, what is your favorite book? Oh, that's a good one. I'd have to say that my all-time favorite book is Blood of the Morning Dew by Colin O'Brien. And I'd say mine is Incredible Sex with Powerful Women by Michael Wolfe. Next question comes from Cloudy with a Chance of Books, and it reads, What is a metaphor? Huh, that's a really great question. Okay, well, a metaphor is... Um... Oh, okay, that's... It's a little tricky. Uh, a metaphor is a type of connecting thing. Oh, yes, like, like a bridge. Yes, a metaphor is a bridge between thoughts. An old wooden bridge. And the words are the horses that walk across the bridge. Exactly, and they're dragging their carriages, which are full of concepts, to the other side of the bridge, does this make sense, which is the brain, and the bridge crosses over the river of uncertainty. So, you know, that's it. Simple definition. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Okay, the next question comes to us from Page Turner 69 and it asks, Hey, who are you guys? <laughs> Great question. Great question. Yeah. I, of course, choose to pass. And I, Michael Wolf, also pass. So that's about all the time we have for questions today. But to bring the focus back to me for a moment, one great thing about myself is that I know the right thing to say at all times. You could say that I'm a much eloquent person. That's so true. I, I will never forget what you told me after my dog died. He, he shouldn't, shouldn't have, have been, been behind, behind my van. van. It comforted me in my time of need. And it got me out of a lot of legal trouble. I'm always saying smart stuff like that. And if you want the real, raw, unfiltered sayings, you should check out my Facebook page. A lot of rants there, a lot of reposts of what some people are calling fake news, and a lot of gifts of elderlies falling down. Now, sometimes I need inspiration, and Michael's just not around, so I have to turn to lesser minds. So what we've done is we've compiled some of our all-time favorite quotes and sayings about writing, and we've compiled them for you. Because we thought, we just want to jam you so full of inspiration that you can't sleep at night. You just lie awake, bloated, rolling around in your twin-size bed, moaning. So here are some of our favorites. <clears throat> Write drunk, 
Edit sober. Get drunk again? Text ex-girlfriend. That was Dr. Seuss. The second greatest gift you can give an aspiring writer is to convince them to do anything else. The greatest gift, of course, would probably be like a Lamborghini or something. Ooh, or maybe a pen. That was Anne Rice. Hope is the thing with feathers. Oh, wait, no, that's birds. Birds is the thing with feathers. I'm sorry, I was recently hit on the head. Emily Dickinson. Emily Bronte once said, Write what you know. Also, if what you know is action-packed stories full of sex and big explosions, that would definitely help sell some books. That's good advice. Anton Chekhov once said, Don't tell me the moon is shining. Show me the glint of light on broken glass. Also, stop breaking bottles in my backyard, you stupid kids. Come on. Kurt Vonnegut famously said, Every character should want something, even if it's only a glass of water. But you should probably make them want something cooler than a glass of water. A glass of water would be a stupid thing for a character to want. You know what? Forget I said anything about the water. There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Except for maybe taking a digger on the half pipe when trying to land a pop shove it. Dag! I busted my femur again! Maya Angelou. Writing is like seducing a demon. It seems really scary at first, but then once you're doing it, it's like, Whoa! I'm fucking a demon! Sick! Erica Zhang. No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. No pickles on my hoagie, no hoagie in my belly. Period. Robert Frost. John Steinbeck is famously quoted as saying, Every sentence in your novel must do one of two things. Be in English so I can read it, or use pictures instead of words. If my doctor told me I had only six minutes left to live, I wouldn't brood. I'd type a little bit faster. This letter to Penthouse ain't gonna finish itself, said Isaac Asimov once. And finally, this Sylvia Plath classic. The worst enemy to creativity is self-doubt. The second worst enemy is like, having no ideas that'd be like the worst enemy so those are just a few beautiful quotes that we've taken from the annals of history and they're a hundred percent real and true and untouched yeah you can't make this stuff up when you find yourself stuck working on your novel or memoir go to one of these quotes and see if you can find inspiration and if you can't just take these words and put them in your own book unattributed Anyway, I'm so excited for our guest author today. Uh, you might know her from her erotic memoirs. <laughs> and please put the kids away before you listen to this because it's pretty dirty. <laughs> for you today, we have a reading from Jonifer Powells. Enjoy. My name is Jonifer Powells, and this is an excerpt from my new book, Hurricane in my heart, earthquake in my loins, and eat, pray, love on my shelf. The young man's eyes glistened as he cut that meat. I'd always loved watching Huxley the butcher cut off a nice turkey leg, but today there was an ulterior motive. This time he was cutting me a turkey leg and seducing me. His penis secreted whispers directed toward my open, juicy ears. My ears were sloppy with peach juice, and he could smell it. I smell your ears, she said. Oh, I replied, full of lust, my muscadines trembling, because I'd just run five miles uphill. You should relocate your butcher shop from atop this hill, I said, or at least build a road for cars so I don't come up here all sweaty and smelling. He dropped that turkey leg right then. 
in and there and then grabbed me just like I was a turkey leg and then he ate me like he might eat a turkey leg in a good way. His mouth moved at the speed of light, which is 299979245, meters per second. And while the pleasurable swept through me, I hoped he didn't notice the bugs that had nested in the scene of my bra. I had noticed them only this morning, but did not have time to ask them to leave yet. But Huxley wouldn't have noticed if there had been eagles nested in the seam of my bra because his eyes were directed on my nushy skin and trying to figure out how to nush even more. Nush me as much as you need to. I cough, but I do not think he heard me because he had already been nushing me and it was loud. I came to and fro and was scared only once. Earthworms and manure worms are used for freshwater fishing. Bloodworms and sandworms are used for in saltwater fishing to hook worms on tiny hooks for small fish. Cut the worms into pieces and thread onto more pieces off the hook and onto the hook. To keep the bait from sliding off, push the point and the barb and the end of the worm. Clams and mussels and soft bait, such as pieces of liver, are best hardened in the sun briefly before hooking. Allowing the bait to harden in the sun will keep it on the hook longer and make it less likely that a game fish can peel the bait off from the hook cut liver into chunks and allow it to harden slightly harden clams and mussels after removing the bait from the shell but just before using the bait i waited i had been waiting a while hook in the water sun wandering across the sky i waited more my dick was hard i always seem to be hard nowadays hard to tell what made it hard was it catching the fish or was it the waiting to catch the fish i thought of my sister paulina would yell at me on the on the email thread with her family i hope she chokes and dies on an apple i said out loud to no one this is a side note um, that is actually how she died, which is strange because I wrote the book before she died, but I feel weird about it, but not weird enough to take it out of the book. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Wow, Jonifer, thank you so much for that reading. Uh, I just have one question right off the bat. Uh, are you okay? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for asking. Okay, good. I'm that's, just, that's wonderful for you to ask. I just, I didn't, you didn't really inhale at all during that, and your hands were shaking a lot, and so I just wanted to make yeah, sure. You took one deep breath and then just I'm all used, the words. I'm not used to reading in public. You're, um, you're more of, yeah, you're more of a writer. You, yeah, I like say, to yeah. sit in my house and type on my typewriter mm. and I just just go for it. <laughs> well, we are so glad that uh, you do because this is an amazing novel and we're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. Uh, reading. I, really I really appreciate it. Yeah, one follow-up question. Have you ever read in public before? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was, uh, I read a sentence and then I... I did vomit, so I stopped reading. Where was that? Oh, it was at a local bookstore, Books and Nooks. Oh, okay. A, a reading of one of your sentences, or? Yes. Okay, I didn't know if you just picked up a Shel Silverstein. And... I, w I would not do that. I think that Shel Silverstein does pornography. Oh, that's but interesting. Not, but not in a good way. Yeah. 
Okay. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know enough to get involved. I don't want to take a side one way or the other. That's fine. I will say that a lot of your writing was incredibly explicit. Yeah. Very vivid. Yes. Really painted quite a picture with your words. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. And there were even some pictures that you had painted that you handed out to us and made us look at while you read. Yeah. You kind of just, like, as you were reading, slid a picture across the table to us and then just tapped on it. I wanted to make sure that you had the full experience. For I believe that um, reading is not just, <laughs> I believe that reading is not just reading, but also looking. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what they say, a thousand words equals a picture. So every time you write a thousand words, get somebody to make a picture that represents the essence of what you did. Is that is my favorite say. quote. Yeah. So um, I want to hear a little bit about your background. How'd you start writing? Well, it's funny because my parents um, were not... Uh, readers themselves, uh, we did get a newspaper in which um, I would try to read it, and they would bat it from my hands. Mm, that um, sounds hard. With it, yesterday's newspaper, they um, rolled up and just batted today's newspaper out of your hands. No, they used their hands. Oh wow! Oh, wow! It was. It, I would not call it violent, um, especially then, because I did not know what real violence was. Oh, but um, anyway. Uh, I I loved the look and the shape of letters, and I loved the way that they Me too, got put yeah. together. Uh, it's beautiful. G is, I think, just the craziest looking letter. Isn't it just? It's just a wild. lowercase G is something <laughs> I could adopt and feed and have it grow up to to oh. a bigger case G. I would love to pet a could you G. Imagine raising letters. Oh, I find I would think that a G has a like a like a baby duck fur on it. Yeah, it's like sort of soft, feathery mm-hmm. <laughs> plumage. Oh yeah. yes, but but you think it's fur, but it's feathers. Yeah. I could, um, I would pluck, I would pluck a G and stuff a pillow with it. <laughs> wow. What the fuck are you guys talking? About? <laughs> uh, if letters could be your children instead of human babies, or pets, or yeah, pets. or pets. For some of us, do not. Are you want. not on board with this? I don't know. Well, no, uh, that's I fine. Don't. That's fine. Sometimes, um, I, I guess th- sometimes I've wanted to sleep in a U. Does that make sense? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Swing, swing on a U. Yeah. Sleep in a U. Okay. You know, just have very hard penetrative sex in a U. Oh. I can just be bent over a U. It, ah. What? Okay. I don't want you to bend me over. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got very confused and then immediately scared. <laughs> I had a question. You Please. referenced the speed of light. Uh, what was that again? Oh, I do not remember. I have to look back at <laughs> okay. my book. Well, I, so much of your writing and your prose is very I, earthy. You know, yes. it's very natural. Yes. It's just right from the countryside. And then the speed of light really jumped out as a harsh, I dare say, almost mathematical Turn of phrase. Can well, I you explain to, that choice? Sure, absolutely. I wanted to be accurate sure. in how fast his mouth was moving. <laughs> yeah. And I felt, uh-huh. yeah, I felt that the best way to do that was to measure out exactly, or to not measure myself, of course, because I do not have the tools, but to, um, I, it was an approximation. Yeah. You can't trust the reader to go and look up what the speed of. And Light especially was, so if there is a scientist reading my books, I do not want them um, to, I do not want to get a strongly worded letter saying that it was not correct. 
Well, especially these days with all the fake news going around. Absolutely. Now, so with your parents knocking and batting the newspapers out of your mm-hmm. hands as a child, it sounds like maybe you had some struggles becoming who you are. Absolutely, yes. I'm, I'm glad that you picked up on that. I, I, I grew up um, mostly um, bound with my, my hands and my feet. Oh, my God. Um, it, both metaphorically and literally. Um, Could but you I, explain each? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, do you know uh, there was a lot of canvas and burlap in our house, and, and sometimes my mother would like to make cones out of them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, I like the canvas cone. Okay, yeah. the canvas cone. Yes. And so she would dip it in a mixture of flour and water. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, don't cry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. I don't have to talk about anything. No, no, I want to. I want to. I'm too scared to write about it, so I would like to talk about it. Also, I do not pay for therapy. She would wrap up my tiny hands and then let it dry, and then when she took it off, it would be a decorative cone that she would sell at the market. Uh, metaphorically, I was not really allowed to speak until I was seven. <laughs> they, they, they just, they did not teach you language or they, they taught uh, you and then just said, don't use they this. they instructed, well, let's, let's try this. How about you start talking to me? Oh, sure. I can start talking. Nope. I, I'm just going to. Stop it st- now. Okay. But don't just, even try it. Well, what did just, I just say to you? Well, wait, Stop you just, it. Stop. Colin, you're embarrassing us. Just That's shut essentially, up. that was my childhood was wow. mostly, yeah. That was very frustrating. Hey, Jennifer, I have a follow-up question. How much does a good hand cone go for? If you were to sell it at a market, uh, adjusting for inflation. Absolutely. Well, do you, uh, are you thinking of one that is uh, full of color, like for the holidays? Yeah, I want a big colorful cone. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking like a big, colorful cone. Like, maybe not a child size hand, but like a large ape's hand. Okay. Um, or a man hand. Maybe sure. a large man hand. Okay. I would say that that would, adjust in for inflation, maybe about $4.50. Oh, that's good. And these cones, would it be like a cone on each hand? Or mm-hmm. the your two hands inside the cone well when i was little it was both hands and okay. then to make a to make a proper sized cone and then as i grew and my hands also grew although at less of a rate than it should have yeah it's probably the cone yeah it's probably the cones mm-hmm. keeping them in there. that's what the doctor said i but... wager a guess also yeah. your head is i don't even want to know if they coned your head but all i gotta say is wow you have an intricate forehead oh you'd be correct in thinking that they coned my head Cool. So if you wanted a big cone, decorative mm. holiday head cone, yeah, that's $300. Oh, shoot. Is the purpose of the cone to wear <laughs> Oh, yeah. This- like that was du- something I wanted to ask. What do you do with a cone? You fill it with pine cones. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh. A cone mm-hmm. cone. Like a cone pine and cone a cone. cone. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if you always had these cones on your hands, mm-hmm. I can imagine... That in addition to making it difficult to read, it would make it difficult to write. Absolutely. Which, you know, must have, did that hinder your ability to become a writer at all? Yes. I I did not know, I, I did not know how to write properly. So I would the use the cones. Well, I, but I would use the cones and I would draw on the dirt each letter. So I did know the alphabet and I did know how to make the words um and often, you know, a tumbleweed or a, a strong wind would blow my work away. And I, mm. I promised myself 
I did. I promised myself that I would, I would make a work that lasted. Mm, and you've certainly done it with this book. Mm-hmm. Your story sounds like the diving bell on the butterfly meets Nell. Are these references anyone understands? For the listeners who get both those, uh, <laughs> that just uh, really we love connecting. you and uh, keep listening. Uh, so, what is your process like today when you sit down to write? I open up my mind and my heart, and I just sort of throw a bunch of letters at the ground, and oh. I pick up a few <laughs> letters, and I and I just start a sentence, and I try to use each of the letters. Speaking of picking up letters off the ground. I just want to go back. I, I really think that raising a G would be quite wonderful. I agree. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Um, sometimes I picture myself making love to an uppercase E. What? No way. And then that's how you make a lowercase G. Oh, that is a brilliant idea. Uh, but anyway, I could talk about fucking letters all day. Oh, pardon your language. Sorry. Jennifer, so you say pardon your language, but... Uh, your book was very explicit. And Artistically so. Yeah, I don't know art, about... Art can cover any sort of explicity. You just said, I'm so hard a few times. I'm always hard, harder than usual, I think. And I think that's fine. That's great. That's a good thing if you want. I mean, just one more what does that place mean to, to put you? a cone. But you did what end your mean? book with pardon my language instead of the end. Just said pardon my language. That is the last sentence. Yeah. Uh, basically, my question is how Spoiler much of alert. this Sorry. is ripped from your own life? You know, is this, are I, these fictions? Well, or? I would rather not answer that question if that's okay. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, wait, are you sure? You know, I think our listeners would like to know, I, I guess, where do you... I just worry that if I give too much of myself as the artist, then people will look at the art differently. Okay, yes, I understand. That's where, like, when I revealed when I had my gallery opening that was uh, wall-to-wall photographs of uh, certain body parts of a certain man, when I revealed that this was um, me and that these were pictures from my colonoscopy, people found them a lot less exciting sure. than when they thought that they were just blown-up pictures of uh, Mac desktop backgrounds. Hmm. You know the one that looks like you're going inside of a Grand Canyon? hmm Yeah, that was... <laughs> You should I can't sell get that. My deposit back. No. What nush mean? I'm sorry. What does what nush, nush mean? mean? <laughs> nush. Sometimes, you don't know. Sometimes uh, people have difficulty understanding Michael. What nush mean? <laughs> and I understand this might be a dialectical thing. You know, maybe you call it nush and we call it hoagies. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, nush, nush and hoagies are very different. Mm. So what <laughs> nush mean? You can't ho- you can't hoagie my skin. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I'm sorry to say that if you don't know how to nush, maybe you never will nush. Maybe you'll never know how to nush a woman so good that she push. I think I came close in college, uh, but then my roommate got home and. I decided to just give up. You can just try it now. Do you have a girlfriend? I have a fern. You could nush a fern. Okay. But the fern won't tell you if you're nushing correctly. It is one of those that closes up when you touch it. Mm, It's a lot like my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. I wouldn't... um, Myrtle. Myrtle? Yes. Oh. Like the avenue. Pardon me. So, um... I guess I'd love to hear about some of your influences. Hmm. Oh, sorry. 
as a writer? I'm sorry. Um, they're basically the same. The circus. <laughs> yeah. Um, the sun. You ever stare at the sun? Oh, yeah. It gives you so many ideas. <laughs> it tells you, take off those cones, Jennifer. Take off those cones and march into the world. Mm. And you know what I find? The longer you look into the sun, the more ideas you get. Absolutely. Did you, is one of your influences Eat, Pray, Love? I've never read it, no. It's still on your shelf? Or is, that, is. is that one of those, like, you don't want to... I would rather not lead between. Yeah, I'd rather not talk about it. I will say that the character has it on her, his shelf. Okay. Her, his. Yeah. It mm -hmm. seemed like the gender sort of swapped like. uh, Well, I will say that you probably assumed that the first part of it was a woman and it might have been. No, that's fair. I, I. It is an unreliable narrator. You know what they say happens when you assume. Sometimes you're wrong. Yeah. It's very. Play, it's a play on words. And to continue that quote, sometimes you're right. So you kind of just have to take a chance. Are you saying that I am right? Oh, I've never said anything. Of substance. <laughs> Ever? Um, no, nothing that I'll go on the record about. Let's put it that way. But you are recording your own voice. So you've been reco- you've been putting things specifically on a record. Mm, no, this is all off the record. Yes. We yeah. have a lawyer. Um, he's in Canada. But he has let us know that nothing that we say can or will be used against us in a court of law. It or the opposite of that, one of the two. Yeah. Michael and I do record all of these interviews, but usually there's some sort of legal conflict that we have to end up abandoning all the recordings at the end. And really the reason we're recording them uh, is to have an alibi. So we at couldn't have done that. We couldn't have done that robbery that's happening. Yeah. At the medical center yeah. right now because we're here recording this. That's why we always hold up a, a picture of today's newspaper in front of the, the beginning, <laughs> in front of the microphone at the beginning of the episode. I wish I were that smart. So, Jonifer, speaking of how smart you wish you were, <laughs> do you have any advice for any aspiring writers or readers who may be listening? God gives us blocks, both mentally and. Emotionally and physically, sometimes we are born to two cement blocks. One who wants to love you but cannot, and the other who would never love you, no matter how much you throw at it. And the best thing you can do when you are old enough is to make those blocks into tiny little pieces of rubble and throw them in the ocean so they turn into coral. So you don't have any advice? No, I'm saying murder your parents. Oh, okay. Murder your parents who've put cones <laughs> on your hands for seven and a half years. Got it. Gotcha. And do it before you're eight, because once you're eight, they're going to start mistrusting you. <laughs> well, that's great advice. And I think it applies to any aspiring writer. Well, thank you so much, Jonifer Powell, for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Hey, let's adopt a letter. I would love that. Mm. What are you talking about? Adopting letters and raising them as your children. I don't, I'm so sorry. Also, I do teach a class on Nushin. Wow, that was pretty weird. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. 
forever. Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.